Love Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rodrigo, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. We've got a beautiful sunny day down here in Florida. How about you up in Buffalo? I'm, you know what? It's like 80 and sunny. It hasn't rained for wow. a week. Well, that's not that's unlike Buffalo, New York. Um, well, it fantastic! Sure I'm glad it's you're, uh, you're having out. Some, <laughs> a good day for golf, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. All right, everybody, want to welcome you to the Women of Golf Show. And as I said, uh, you're here with Cindy Miller, and, and of course, I'm Ted Rodrigo, and we're the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Uh, we got some great uh, guests coming on uh, in just a, a moment or two. We're going to welcome. Uh, from not last week, but from the previous week, Mooney He. She was the winner of the Symmetra Tours inaugural Prasco Charity Championship uh, that was held at TBC Rivers Bend. We're going to talk to her in just a moment or two. And then a little bit later on, we're going to be uh, very excited to welcome back Nancy Henderson, uh, who is the president of the LPJ Foundation. She'll be joining us on the second half. But uh, let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live every Tuesday morning uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And the best way to find us, of course, is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or just type in women of golf uh, up in the search key there and you will uh, find us front and center. Um, for some reason, if you can't join us live, just scroll down on that page to the on-demand section and all of the previously aired shows uh, are there in their entirety. You can listen to when it's convenient for you. Uh, you can also check us out at iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, and TuneIn.com. And again, just type in Women of Golf, and that will take you there on those uh, uh, social media platforms. Uh, we also update every week on social media, so be sure to check uh, my page and Cindy's as well. We'll let you know who's coming on uh, the following week. And if you want to call in anytime during the live broadcast, you can do so by calling area code 347-945-5855. Or you can reach out to Cindy and I personally, and our emails uh, are as follows, cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Let me tell you a little bit about Mooney, and uh, we'll bring her on. As I mentioned, she won, uh, not this past week, but the previous week, the Symmetra Tour's inaugural Prasco Charity uh, Championship, and this is her first year on the Symmetra Tour. She shot a 15-under par overall performance in the inaugural uh, classic and uh, at TPC Rivers Bend, which landed her first professional title, uh, included a bogey-free five-under par 67 final round, and the win also marks uh, he down in history as she claims the crown at the first LPGA Tour family event uh, contested at a course owned and operated by the PGA Tour. Uh, she spent two semesters at the University of Southern California, but opted to forgo her final three uh, years of collegiate eligibility. Uh, she made her professional debut on December 6th, 
at the Omega Dubai Ladies Masters, the last event uh, on, in 2017 uh, Ladies European Tour schedule. Uh, following her first Symmetra Tour win, it now puts her at number 13 in the Volvic race for the cards uh, to earn a full-time LPJ uh, Tour membership in 2019. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Mooney He. Good morning, Mooney. Hi. Oh, hi, how are you? Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my honor. Thank you for having me on. Where are you right now? All right. Um... Oh, oh, I'm currently, uh, I'm currently at a French Lick, Indiana, for uh, preparing for another Symmetra event on the road. That place is gorgeous, isn't it? Yes, it's very beautiful. Now you're playing the Donald Ross well, course this week, or the or the Pete Dye. Uh, the Donald Ross. Got it, got it. And have you played a practice round yet? Wow. Yes, yesterday um, I went off and played nine holes, and the course was just in an amazing condition, and it's really beautiful out there. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, and Cindy, you know that area very well. You've, of course, uh, been to French Lick many times, so you know uh, the challenge that uh, Mooney is going to be facing this week for sure, correct? I do. <laughs> I do. The Donald Ross course I have not played. They had the LPGA National Teaching Championship there one year, and I did not play. So we've always played our Legends Tour event on the Pete Dye course. But the the facility, the casino, the hotels, the golf courses are unbelievable, and the people that work there are totally amazing. They're so friendly. Are you staying in the casino yeah. hotel or the West Baden? Uh, no, actually. Um, me and my family, we've rented an Airbnb across the street from the casino. Ah, well, aren't you smart? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Um, let me. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Mooney, let me ask you very quickly. Um, as I said uh, in the opening uh, credits, that um, it's been a couple of weeks now since you actually won. You were going to be on uh, two weeks ago, but unfortunately, you were you were mid travel, so we weren't able to get you on uh, right after the the win. But um, tell us a little bit about that uh, first win, how it felt, and uh, specifically some of the challenges that you faced personally. Uh, while out battling it out in the golf course against some of your fellow competitors? <laughs> yes, for sure. I mean, um, being a rookie on Symmetra Tour, I had, you know, really no idea what the year would hold and what it would look like for me. So at the beginning, it was very challenging adjusting to the professional life and being having to travel week after week. And, you know, especially being on the grind while not seeing much results or good results can be really tough on on a person physically and mentally. So leading up to the point... Um, leading up to the month of June, I was actually struggling a bit with my game and just with really how, um, like, my outlook towards playing this season as a professional. And then the month of June came, and I realized that a lot of my issues that I was struggling with in my game were becoming a little bit more easier to deal with, and that maybe, you know, I was gaining more confidence within myself and within my game. So... 
uh, I definitely did struggle a lot and I've learned a lot leading up to the point of now and um, having being have won the last Symmetra event it was really a confidence booster and kind of you know kind of a way for me to really start to think in a way that oh maybe you know I can do this maybe I can't be up on the leaderboard and I should really start to believe in myself and just trusting the process versus stressing out about scores and things that are out of my control. Well said. Um, let me uh, let me very quickly ask uh, an obvious follow-up question, and then Cindy, I'll I'll turn it over to you. To ha- I know you've got some questions. Um, Mooney, you, you mentioned a couple times that. Um, you know, that you struggled a little bit leading up. What specifically or what areas of your game were you having the most difficulty with? Um, I mean, I've always been, throughout junior golf and college golf, I've always been a very good ball striker. <laughs> but within the last three years, I never really had a coach to overlook my swing because, you know, I that was the part of my game that I was feeling so confident on. And I spent a lot of time with on my short game and on my putting, and that improved tremendously. But I've also realized at the same time that my ball striking was not the same as it was before. I didn't really feel confident within it about it. And it just, you know, it was a little bit of feeling like it was out of my control. So earlier this year, I started working with coach Ted O, who's also Lydia's coach. And he has just helped me Mm -hmm. tremendously to improve within my own swing and within my own game and helped me to regain that confidence. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it always helps when you've got somebody, another set of eyes, if you will, to sort of look at some of the areas that you that you struggle with like that and to be able to give you some good feedback. That's fantastic. Um, Cindy, I know you've got some questions. Go ahead. So just so I understand, before you started working with Ted, you really didn't have a swing coach? Uh, for about two and a half, three years, I yeah, I didn't really take a single lesson, like swing lessons. I've had putting coaches and short game coaches, but just not really a swing coach. Wow. And you were hitting the ball very well, so you were happy with it up until that? Yes. Yes. So that was kind of my, my uh, you know, way of thought, like, if something's not broken, I shouldn't have to fix it. And I kind of thought that I knew – enough about my own swing to be able to tweak the small mistakes but you know it ended up getting a little out of my hands and feeling like it was out of control well good for you for noticing that let me ask you another question along with having Ted be on your team and you learning to trust him and him helping you gain confidence what was it that helped you believe that you belong? Um, I think growing up as a junior golfer, uh, I've had some good results. And as in, you know, and uh, I committed to USC as a freshman in high school. And in college, I've had some success as well. So I feel like leading up to turning pro, even after I did, there was some sort of expectation that I felt like I had to live up to, which was really tough and challenging for me to, you know, kind of realize that that wasn't the case. Um, I never really believed in myself, but, 
it's really a process of knowing that you kind of need to believe in yourself um, more than anyone else. So I really had to just start from within myself to to kind of change my mindset and to really change how I played. So you had had some success, right, as a junior golfer? Yes. Yes. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in, I grew up partially in Canada, but I went to high school in San Diego, California. So um, I've been in the States for, I've been competing in the States since I was little. Okay. Now, did you go to high school in, in San Diego because you went to a golf school or because your parents moved? Um, well, we moved to the States because my parents thought the the competitions in the States were a lot better compared to Canada. And um, I went to Torrey Pines High School, which had a very decent golf program for the both men, I mean, girls and boys. Awesome. So all this time as a junior player, the reason I ask is because I teach a lot of kids, and I believe yes. that your story is going to help a lot of people. And I'm also mm-hmm. a columnist for the Buffalo News, and I have to write an article this week, and I'm very intrigued by what you're telling me, and I think that your story can help a lot of people. So, yes, thank you. As, even though you're so successful as a junior player, you really don't believe in yourself. Um, I think that can vary from person to person. I know I've always been one to be very critical, especially on myself. Um, I tend to see all the bad things within myself and all the flaws and, you know, my brain just really automatically goes like, you know, you're not good enough for this. You're not good enough. You're not, you're not going to make it, but you know, that's something I've really learned to kind of, to have less of that negative energy. Are you a perfectionist as a person, as your behavior style, your personality, that of, I'm very organized, I'm neat, I'm clean, I I like things in order. Is that what you're um, more yes, like? I would say so. Yes, I would say so, especially growing up. That was something I really struggled with, um, something that I really had to learn and grow to learn, that not everything can be perfect and not everything can be my way, you know, exactly the way that I want it to be and exactly the way I want it to turn out. So I've definitely buttered within you know, through the years, but um, there are some parts of it where I'm still, you know, struggling and learning to deal with, of course. Wow, that's awesome. Hmm. Congratulations Thank for defeating you. your personal <laughs> demons. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's very interesting, Cindy, because I know that's something that we've talked about on the show before, um, the different personality styles and that, and how that can really translate out on the golf course. And, you know, um, Mooney, one of the things that, that Cindy and I have talked about a lot is how sometimes those inner voices can really get in the way of how you play. I mean, you can be a phenomenal ball striker and have a great short game, but what goes on up in your head sometimes during a round can adversely affect how you play. So, when you're out on the golf course, the question I want to ask you is sort of, again, paralleling what Cindy's talking about here. When you're out on the golf course, Mooney, and you 
run into I know now I know you didn't in the tournament you won because it sounds like you had a phenomenal uh, event mm-hmm. but obviously in the past you've had you've had some tournaments where uh, maybe you've had a bad hole or two in a row um, what did you do to prevent that from derailing your whole round what did you say to yourself or how did you regroup if you will to prevent your round your whole round from really going bad yeah, I mean, it's definitely not easy to, you know, keep your mind off of all the negative things after you've made a mistake. But I think it's just really important to realize that, you know, what's, what has happened has already occurred and it can't be fixed and, you know, you can't go back in time and change it. So it's more important to focus on the next shot and the next hole and, you know, just taking it a shot by shot and really just trying your best without thinking about scores at all, kind of looking at it as like a fresh start, which really helps me. I know when I struggle within, you know, a hole or a few holes. Right, right. Well said. Now, I want to ask you something uh, a little bit different. Um, we actually, last week, of, of course, Zach uh, was on to uh, to talk with us because, as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, you weren't able to, to join us that week. But um, I asked him about uh, social media because I noticed uh, in the notes that he had sent me about you that you have a very large Instagram following. In fact, it's even been boosted up since <laughs> you, you won your tournament. Um, so is social media uh, a big part because you're, you're obviously a young female and, and uh, like to get out and have fun and connect with your friends on, on various social media platforms, Instagram being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a big part uh, of something that you like to do? And how do you um, get around, you know, because you're on the road quite a bit, so you don't always get a chance to see your friends, and that may be the only way you get to communicate with them. Is it difficult sometimes um, being on the road and not having uh, maybe some of your girlfriends or friends that you like to socialize with, um, you know, to be able just to say, hey, we want to go out tonight and do something? Is that difficult sometimes for you? Um, I think growing up, I've, you know, as an only child, and uh, I, I was actually homeschooled for a couple of years. So um, this type of lifestyle is not too unfamiliar for me. But I do have my close friends, and a lot of my friends are actually golfers as well. Because growing up, you know, all the girls that I play with on Sumatra, a lot of them I grew up with playing junior golf and college golf. So um, it's nice to have some of them here and it's also nice to meet new people at the Sumatra tour and not to mention that nowadays like you mentioned um, we can connect with a lot of our friends through social media or just you know messaging them on our phones and we can talk and we can FaceTime so it is challenging but at the same time I feel like it's not something that I'm too stressed out about right now just very quickly, a follow-up on the social media aspect, because a lot of, because I know you are very, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you're 18, 19, is that correct? I'm 19, yes. 19, okay. So, as a 19-year-old female um, who obviously is very popular on social media, are you someone that gets kind of caught up in the social media? But I mean, a lot of uh, younger uh, folks out there are really into social media. Obviously, I know it's something that's important to everybody nowadays, but is that something that you get really caught up on, or uh, are you able to find balance? Um, I think 
I think it can be very consuming at times. So I've really had to learn how to find that balance and knowing that, you know, social media isn't everything. And, you know, what you see all the time might not be what's going on in the real life. Um, You know, like you mentioned, I am a young female. (laughs) So as a 19-year-old and being from California, uh, social media is a huge part of everyone's life. And I'm just happy that I'm able to express what I want to express about myself, my life, and my friends and family through the platform. And, um, and, you know, it's, I'm really able, through social media, I've been able to connect with so many amazing people and people that I would have never met without it. So I'm really thankful for social media. And I think it's just, it's such a great way to build your community and to build your own brand. And, it can be challenging on the road sometimes because you have to, you know, really learn how to balance both things. Um, but I think I've been, I've been doing a pretty good job at it, trying to find that balance and kind of, you know, go through it at the same time. And although I'm working really hard and traveling is not easy on the Symmetra tour, um, a lot of the times, you know, right. social media only reflects the highlights of your life. So some people might not be able to see the, all the behind the scenes stuff, but I think that's the important part too to know that it's it's important to know that social media isn't real life all the time, and and I really wanted to showcase that you can be a golfer and you can be a professional golfer and be good at what you do without having to give up everything else in your life. That's a good wow. point. Very, What's your Instagram yeah. handle? Um, it's at Lily, so L-I-L-Y-M-H-E. So the M stands for Mooney, which is my uh, my my Chinese name, my birth name. But people, my close friends call me Lily. <laughs> so I go by both. So it's Lily, M-H-E, and H-E is just my last name. Right. Awesome. Yeah, Thank you have you. quite the following yeah, you have quite the following. I think you're up around 150 or 160 thousand now, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere, which is just impressive. Uh, of course. Thank um, you. Now, you, you mentioned something very interesting, Cindy. I'm just going to ask one more quick question, then, and then I'll turn it back over to you. Um, just about social media. You, you mentioned about, you know, it's not all sort of glitz and glamour all the time, and uh, people don't always get to see what goes on behind the scenes. Traveling obviously can be very, very difficult because um, you're hopping around from, from state to state and, and so on in that. Uh, what's the hardest part of tour life for you? Um, I think it's being separated from home because, uh, <laughs> you know, home is where, where all my friends are and where, where I feel the most comfortable. And so it's really stepping out of my comfort zone. And um, being on the road all the time to unfamiliar places can really take a toll on you. And, you know, sometimes, especially if you're not playing well, you can feel really alone, even if you do have family out there supporting you. You can still feel like it's just very unfamiliar to you. Right. Well said. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you probably have another question or two. So you mentioned that your family and you rented an Airbnb across from the golf course. Does your family travel with you every week? 
yes. So both of my parents actually travel with me, are are going to be traveling with me full time this year, which you know makes me really lucky because I know a lot of the girls out here they're out here by themselves, and I can't imagine how much more challenging and tiring that would be. Yeah, absolutely, and it's kind of scary to be honest with you. Yes. And let me ask you, um, what is the best part of your game? Um, I think um, right now it's kind of hard to say. Right now I feel like I'm really trying to find balance within everything. And, you know, during a round when one thing goes wrong, I always try to make up for it with another part of my game. But recently, I think putting has been kind of the highlight of my game, being able to make up and downs and being able to make those long birdie or eagle putts has really helped me within, you know, competitions. So I think recently it really has been my putting. Awesome. Awesome. And are you coming to Rochester? Yes, I will be. Awesome. I'm going to bring some girls over and I'm going to come over and introduce myself to you. Yes, of course. I'd be so happy to meet you guys. Very, very, very Perfect. cool. Very good. Well, Mooney, we know that um, you need to uh, get out there and, and uh, practice up a little bit more. And congratulations again on your, your win at the Prasco Charity Championship uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we wish you well at French Lick this week uh, in the tournament. And uh, I'm sure Cindy looks forward to meeting you uh, the following week in Rochester. So have a great week uh, and much continued success, and we hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's really an honor to be able to talk with you guys. So thank you again. You're welcome. Good luck. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That was our very special guest this morning, uh, Mooney He, winner of... Uh, the inaugural Prasco Charity Championship a couple of weeks ago at TPC Rivers Bend. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the Symmetra Tour, and uh, she's uh, going to be in French, French Lick, uh, in fact, is in French Lick right now, uh, going to be playing on the Donald Ross course. Um, tell us very quickly before we, we move on, Cindy, a little bit about uh, the Donald Ross course, because I know you said you didn't play on it for the uh, – uh, for the event, but you're familiar with, with some of the lay of the land. Um, what's it like? You know what? Nancy Henderson could probably help us more because I have never played it, but I've been over to the pro shop and the clubhouse, and it looks very hilly. I heard it was really hilly and really hard. <laughs> and I can tell you that the the, um, the other course is even more hilly and more hard, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, I know you've you've mentioned in the past a few times uh, playing there at the Legends Tour event that uh, some of the fun that you had. I think you you I think you and I, and I, this is not coming from me, but I think these were your words. You said you felt like a mountain goat. Um, I don't know that I would say that, but yeah, it is. It's very very hilly, and it's very difficult, and it's a good test of golf. Right. 
All right, well, let's bring Nancy out and we'll ask her a little bit about the Donald Ross course and some other things as well. Let me just tell everybody a little bit about her uh, for those that maybe are not familiar. Nancy Henderson, of course, serves both as the president of the LPJ Foundation and chief teaching officer for the LPJ Teaching and Club Professional Membership. And in these roles, she provides strategic vision as well as supervising the day-to-day operations of both organizations within the LPGA. Uh, Nancy, of course, uh, with her team, uh, at the LPJ are tasked to create innovative programs and activities that support the overall goals and mission of the association. And she's a Class A member of both the LPJ and PGA. And prior to joining the staff at uh, the LPJ uh, headquarters, uh, she was the director of golf and general manager at LPJ International Golf Course, the home of the Ladies uh, Professional Golf Association for over seven years. Uh, in 2001, she received the LPJ uh, National uh, Professional of the Year Award for her accomplishments at LPJ International. And she's a native of Clearwater, Florida, and a graduate of Southern Methodist United uh, University, excuse me, in Dallas. And she uh, earned her four-year scholarship as a member of SMU's women's golf team. Uh, she's a two-time U.S. Open participant, uh, and her playing accomplishments include more than 300 uh, tournament victories and thir- this still blows me away—13 holes in one. So let's welcome our very special guest uh, this morning, Nancy Henderson. Good well, morning. thank you for having me. Yes, and I'll I'll start with I have I have something to tell you about the bio. It's uh, it's actually now fourteen hole in ones. Oh, I knew it! I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I thought we had I saw an LP- something. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes, Nancy. we had an LPGA uh, mixed team event at Ocean Hammock here in uh, the Palm Coast area in Florida, and. Uh, had my 14th hole-in-one, and it was fun to have it in competition. It was a little costly. I got to buy a few drinks, but um, it was uh, it was nice to uh, to get off that unlucky number 13. Well, congratulations. Wow. Well, thank you. I heard you all talking yes. about the courses at French Lick before I came on, and um, uh-huh. it's uh, they are definitely challenging golf courses, both of them. I, uh, I have to say it's – when you play those courses, you really have to be on your game, both in hitting fairways and in hitting greens, because it's not much recovery from the rough or from those um, areas where you have to chip. And I know, Cindy, you've played it, so it's uh, it's fun to have such a, a challenging course, and, and it really does bring out the best champions. It sure does. Fantastic. Um, let me just very quickly start it off, uh, Cindy, and then, then I'll throw it right back over to you. Just speaking about that, we, we had Mooney He, of course, who won the, uh, the Prasco Charity Championship a couple of weeks ago on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, they're playing at French Lick on the Donald Ross course. Um, you've obviously played on that uh, course uh, for some events. What does she need to, if you were going to advise her, um, obviously, what particularly are some things that, that she might want to watch out for playing in that course? Yeah, you know, I think it's you mentioned the elevation, so club selection is is really key. Um you have to be able to you know, control your your distances both in getting the ball on the green because um like most Donald Ross courses, if you miss a green, it's it's very challenging um to get up and down because they're so undulating and and those runoffs are quite severe. So, you know, I would say to her it's I know it sounds easy, but you know, hit as many fairways and and greens as you can um not to be enticed by too many pins because as you as you go for those pins, um it's really penalizing on if you short side yourself. So, you know, I think it'll it'll be a matter of really someone who thinks their way around the golf course. I don't know that it's one that you can overpower. Right. 
So there's no real advantage to the long hitters or, or anything like that. It's, it's going to be more strategy that's going to be needed out in there, correct? Well, you know, with any golf course, if you can hit it long and straight, absolutely. It means you're hitting a shorter iron into a green, and if it's hitting into an elevated green, it's <laughs> it's definitely an advantage to that. But I think what you'll see is a lot of the longer hitters, um, you know, backing off in terms of not hitting driver on, on a few holes only because the rough out there tends to be so um, significant. I know when we played right. out there, we right. had our, our LPGA Teaching and Club Professional National Championship. Really, on either course, the rough can can be so tough. We had to have a spotter on every hole, you know, just to help locate golf balls. And uh, you know, that's uh, that's when you know it's it's tough to find them. <laughs> and if you can't find it, um, right. it's hard to uh, advance it to the green, let alone back to the fairway. So yeah, it's it's definitely one that you want to think your way around. Well, it sounds like you've been looking in the bottom of the the cup for yours uh, here recently with another hole in one. That's phenomenal. I just I can't get over that. That's incredible. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Uh, I know you've got some questions. Tell us what's going on with girls golf this summer. Ah, girls golf, our favorite topic. LPGA, USGA, girls golf. Um, you know, the only all-girls program of its kind, and um, really for girls 7 through 17, although, you know, our kind of sweet spot is that 7 to 12-year-old age group. And, um, you know, our excitement uh, this year really are around our um, Empower Days. We um, obviously have the five E's of girls' golf, and this year we're focusing on our Empower Ambassador, Brittany Lincecum, and what Empower means, and it's kind of a superhero-themed event for the girls all over the country um, and it's kind of fun to see how they learn about not only about Brittany but how to hit the ball further and what exactly empower means and of course it ends up with with hitting a great water balloon at the end so um, it's really uh, fun for me to kind of roll out those kind of national programs our site directors run by LPGA or PGA golf professionals do such a great job in creating um, incredible programming for girls not only to learn the game of golf but to also learn about life skills that'll help girls and you know if we can get more girls feeling empowered and confident then uh, we're doing our goal in, in developing not only life long golfers but girls who are ready kind of to take on the world and that that superhero themed event is one of my favorites this summer awesome awesome ted go ahead cindy okay sorry you want me um let me ask you um something else too um on the lpj women's golf network when you were on last time uh, they were actually, you were just launching that. Give us an update on that as well on the uh, LPJ Women's Golf Network. Sure, I'm happy to. You know, we um, as an LPGA organization felt like for, you know, more than 60 years we've been focused on professional uh, women, uh, both through our tours and through our teaching and club professional membership. We felt like we, through our foundation, were, were focusing on girls and developing girls. Um, but really the area that the LPGA for our history since 1950 had never really focused on was the amateur women in golf. And um, we really um, wanted to, to do something because if the LPGA wasn't going to be the voice for women in golf or, or – um, 
um, be an organization that was trying to get more women playing the game as well, um, we felt like really the other um, industry organizations would, if we kind of led the effort, would jump on board. And, and that's exactly what's happened. So we developed the LPGA Women's Network, which is an online digital community, um, you know, where women can not only get advice for their golf game, but kind of inspiration for their life. And um, you know, there's lots of great instruction from our LPGA teaching and club professional members. And um, then through our partners, we can tell inspirational stories about women who've, you know, succeeded both on and off the course. And um, it's incredible content. We've had four great partners come on board. We're about to announce a new partner in the next month or so. So, you know, it's great to see, you know, Dow and Excel Catland and uh, KPMG and, of course, Dow jump on board to, to support our, our LPGA Women's Network, and, um, you know, it's it's growing. Our community is growing. Our community of women started, you know, with a very small number, and um, now we're up to more than uh, 200 women who are engaged in the community in one way or another, whether it's through social or through our bi-monthly newsletter. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that once it starts going and the other um, industry organizations have gotten behind it, um, we, uh, we know we're going to build a great community where women have a place not only to learn the game, but to improve their game and, and to find other women to play with. And, you know, that's been a great um, – to kind of watch it grow and, and to see how the women are, are all connected through golf. And it's that passion that uh, that keeps them, uh, you know, coming back. And it's it's nice to see. Yeah, I, awesome. I couldn't agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, let me just ask one other question, and then, and then Cindy, I'm going to give it back to you. Um, Nancy, we all know that, uh, coming this, I believe this fall, Susie Whaley is going to be taking over as the first female president of the PGA of America, which is very, very exciting for a lot of people. Is there anything specific that you would like to see her do, uh, in that position? I know she's done a lot already, uh, as an executive there, but what would you like to see? What are you hoping for happens, uh, with her in that position? Well, first of all, you know, being a PGA member myself for for more than 25 years, you know, and and seeing both organizations, one, I'm so excited that, you know, the members of the PGA have have voted Susie in. I think when you hear Susie speak and and you um, feel her passion that she has for making a difference, um, you kind of forget in a lot of ways that, you know, she is a female. And and I love that because, you know, it shouldn't be where we look at somebody and, and as a candidate say, oh, she's a female or she's a, you know, he's a male. It should be who is the right, right. person to lead the organization at, at the time. And I honestly feel like Susie is the right person to lead the PGA of America, especially at this time. You know, I think um, the golf industry right now is, is in a state of flux. And I think, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not exactly growing and it and and we you know we need some changes and we need some leadership that are going to come in and i think the pga is making some changes to their curriculum which will um, definitely help. It's becoming a little bit more specialized versus they kind of had a, a, a general education that gave you a little bit of everything. And I think, you know, this change in education and, and the direction they're going in terms of, you know, creating specialties in the field. It's like if you go and get a general business degree, that's great, but it's not necessarily going to help you get a specific job. Um, if you go through, you know, a, you know, 
uh, a specialization where you want to be a dentist, well, then you're going to be able to get a job as, as a dentist in, in that particular field. That's a little bit of what the PGA is doing now in terms of if you want to be someone who leads you know, the business or if you want to be a teacher or if you want to be someone who manages events, you learn about that so that when you're through that curriculum, okay, you're looking for someone who can run tournaments at a facility, you know, you know that this person yeah. is uniquely qualified and trained to do that. So I think, you know, Susie's going to put her own mark on, on the PGA and I think she's a good voice of all, um, both men and women in golf, and, and herself is a member of both organizations. So I think she realizes the value that um, the LPGA and, and the industry brings, and, and it's nice to have that kind of collaboration. Yeah, I agree. I think that's great. Um, Cindy, go ahead. What are you working on for the TNCP for the summer? Because I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. Do have a lot of stuff going on, and and you know I guess before I get to that question, kind of backing up on the women's network if I can, and then I'll answer your TNCP question. So, you know, as we rolled out the um, the LPGA Women's Network, we we realized we didn't have you know that play component, and um, this uh, year actually we um, we merged or uh, with the Executive Women's Golf Association, which has now been rebranded as the LPGA Amateur Golf Association. So, you know, that women's network um, now has a community of more than 12,000 passionate women who play at the local level um, in more than 100 chapters. So for us, rather than recreating, you know, um, the wheel, so to speak, we uh, we were able to align with the Executive Women's Golf Association and rebrand and really are looking to get more and more chapters and more women playing golf with other women because just like with our girls golf program we realize that if we get women playing in a comfortable environment with with other women that they tend to stay in it longer and um, you know it's easier to get women to to learn the game with other women so that kind of leads into what the TNCP focus is for this particular summer is our new um, LPGA Golf 101 program, which we rolled out in January of this year. And we have more than 300 of our LPGA certified professionals conducting LPGA Golf 101 programs all over the country. And it's a great introduction to golf program taking you through six different sessions um, with instruction both on and off the course. And, you know, the goal is by the end of those six sessions um, for, you know, that group of women, and it is a women's only program, which is wonderful because that's one of the challenges when women take up the game. Usually there's like 10 of them in a clinic, eight will be men, two will be women, and, and the women can't help but compare themselves to the men. And it's not always the most comfortable space, and they don't necessarily have, you know, that network to, to play golf with. So we're, we rolled out this program as, as a women's only program so that women can learn from women. Um, and obviously our certified teachers are the best to kind of onboard them in a, in a comfortable environment. So for us, you know, through that program, our goal by 2020 is to, is to introduce, you know, as many as 50,000 new women to the game. And I have to say, anytime we roll out one of those initiatives, the Cindy Millers of the world jump on board. And, you know, a lot of them were doing an introduction to golf program already, um, but being able to brand it all under the LPGA Golf 101 umbrella and, and promote it. We'll be shooting a 
a PSA in uh, November, which is basically all about what the LPGA is doing for, for women. And, you know, it'll be promoting our LPGA Golf 101. It'll be promoting our amateur LPGA Amateur Golf Association. And then, of course, you know, our LPGA Women's Network. So, you know, for us, it's exciting to see the focus on women and, and to have that group of 1,700 teachers who are, uh, you know, passionate and, and willing to, to do these kind of programs um, really is, is helping us change the face of golf. And that's, that's great to see because we'd love to get golf more female-friendly. Absolutely. Yeah, and I know, Cindy, uh, you're one of those more. that have jumped on and, board, and I so I thank you, you for that. Yeah. Go ahead, Ted. I'm sorry. I, I just don't want to keep talking over everybody. Okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, what I was going to say is, you know, something that I notice a lot, um, and, and this just really is a testament, Nancy and, and Cindy, to the to the LPJ um, um, organization. You know, I, I obviously get on social media as, as we all do, and and uh, you know, post different things. I always see. In fact, I recently saw something. Um, I guess it was at a K, uh, KPMG uh, event recently where the two of you were in uh, the shot. Um, maybe you can shed some light on what that was all about, um, Nancy, a little bit. But I, I see the LPJ um, leaders, if you will, and, and teachers and, and any other part of the LPJ organization. I always see you girls promoting, 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 doing a fantastic job through social media, and you guys always make it look fun, which I know it is. Um, tell us a little bit about what the KPMG uh, thing was. It was on just recently, within the last week or so, I saw you guys uh, in a photo shot together uh, with another group of ladies. Tell us a little bit about that, Nancy, and then Cindy, um, jump in. Sure, and any you're right. Anytime I get a chance to spend time with the leaders of our organization is is special. And you know, obviously, Cindy is, you know, the um, Northeast Section president and represents all of the members in the Northeast Section. She was voted on to be the voice of the membership. And you know, when strong women like Cindy step up and and are willing to, as busy as they are, um, you know, want to participate and want to make a difference, um, it's it's incredible. And we were there in in Chicago at the KPMG. Women's PGA Championship for our LPGA um, Teaching and Club Professional Executive Committee meetings. And we meet three to four times a year to um, basically, you know, create and develop the strategic direction of our organization. So a lot of the initiatives that, you know, I've been speaking about have um, really come about from the direction that the executive committee provides in terms of, you know, where do we want to do, where do we want to go? What do we want to do? What's the focus for not only our members, but for the industry as a whole? And, um, you know, we have a good day and a half of, of meetings out there and are able to spend some quality time together to uh, to really make sure that what we're doing, um, you know, here at headquarters is not just what we want to do, but it's it's the direction that the right. membership um, really wants us to go. And, you know, for us, selfishly, um, being at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, you know, we had nine of our um, teaching professionals competing in that event. So not only are we able to meet there, but we're able to kind of cheer on those representatives from our from our teaching division. And um, also, we were able to conduct a clinic for 
the uh, LPGA, uh, the KPMG Women's uh, Leadership Summit participants. So, you know, KPMG is really all about empowering and inspiring women and, and making sure that, you know, women get to that C-suite. So that leadership summit that they put on there, um, as a lead into that, they do, you know, the pro-am for those women who play and then those that don't play. You know, we have the best teachers in the country as part of our executive committee, and they're there um, to help encourage them to, to find a professional when they get back home and give them a great introduction to golf and and make them realize that they can do it. You know, a lot of times women don't jump in because they're such perfectionists, but um you know when they when they get that instruction and they get that encouragement, it's uh it's really a great thing. So you know, for us, it's it's a lot of things we, we were there for in Chicago, but um, it's really, uh, you know, for strategic direction um, from our executive leadership team. Fantastic. Um, Cindy, any, any comments or, or questions that you might have? No, it's just, it's great for us all to get together and to, you know, commiserate and figure out and plan and create and... Um, it's just a lot of fun to get together because I think we really have a great team. Don't you agree, Nance? I do. And, you know, I think um, obviously there's, you know, five different sections plus our international section. So, you know, it's, it's each part of the country is representative. Different parts of the country have different challenges, but um, it's nice to have, you know, the, the voices that are heard and, and it's, you know, like any kind of government setup, we, uh, we don't all necessarily always agree, but, but we leave the room with, with kind mm-hmm. of a unified focus and, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's ex- it's an exciting time, I think, right now for the LPGA. There's so much great momentum going on, um, and it's it's fun to see. We had some some great announcements just this week. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, uh, I, I couldn't agree more, Nancy. You know, I think uh, it, it, it it's an exciting time for golf in general. Um, I, I think, that, as you mentioned earlier, you know. Um, you would like to see, and, and hopefully there are going to be some changes going on within the industry. Um, you know, there is certainly some growth, uh, most of it being in, in young females into golf, um, but there's also an exit in golf as well. And something I want to ask your opinion on, uh, I recently was talking with another fellow uh, golf professional from California, and they, did a, they had the opportunity to go into a school. It was actually a middle school and talk with about 100 kids, and they gave them a scenario, and they said, if you had um, five days and you could do something uh, like an after-school program or something at the end of each day, what would you pick? And, of course, they were talking about a sport or something like that. And the sad thing was, out of the 100, not one mentioned golf. So it leads to me to ask the question, what do we need to do? I know there are many throughout the United States and, and even in Canada, there are some after-school programs with golf, but how do we, what do we need to do uh, as an industry to get golf in sort of mainstream school uh, like so many other sports are? Because that's something that is lacking. What can we do and, and how can we help as pro- uh, fellow professionals? Uh, you know, do we need to lobby? What do we need to do to get that happening? Because I think that the younger we get them interested in golf, I think it's going to translate later on in life. What, what are your thoughts? What do you think we need to do as an industry? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Um, we as an industry are, are having discussions around that. And, 
you know, we get the, the five governing bodies together, um, you know, really on a task force. And, and we've been, you know, meeting, um, you know, for about a year and a half now, really trying to address that topic. You know, we need to make sure that the pipeline of juniors coming into the game just continues to grow. And, you know, we right. can learn a lot from other sports and, and obviously, you know, Soccer, even though it's been on the increase for a while, is now starting to decline, and and some other sports. So you know we um, we're looking to roll out something early next year um, that'll make it just a little bit easier for parents who want to get their juniors, um, their their children involved in golf, um, to understand how to do that. Because right now it's not easy. If you're a dad right. and you want to get your son or daughter involved in golf. Um, it's not just a check the box on the community center events or the the summer programs like it is for soccer and some of the other sports. And, you know, it's not easy to navigate. So, one, we need to make it a lot easier for the parents to navigate that. You know, I think the school system is a tough one. And, you know, the first T's obviously um, done their part to try to get golf in schools and a lot of other organizations and you know, it's uh, it's hard to teach golf in a field or in a gym, and it's hard for volunteer coaches to teach it. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why we've struggled in school, because um, you almost have to go in and cha- train the PE teachers first or bring professionals in, and it's not as easy as it sounds or to navigate. So, um, you know, we're, we're working on it, but it's it's one of those things where, right. um, one, we have to, to make it easier for the parents, and then, two, somehow break through this, uh, this challenge of school. You know, um, a lot of the the high schools are starting to put what they call life sports programs into their um, PE curriculum and, um, you know, are actually taking kids off site to to golf courses. Um, But that's, you know, expensive and and hard to do. And is it too late at the high school level? Probably. So, you know, but it's it's definitely better late than never. But I but to your point, it's it's one of the biggest challenges right now for making golf more mainstream. The other thing I will say is um, we need to make golf more um, fun and more kind of cool looking for kids. And the more um, we can get the Ricky Fowlers and and the um, Lydia Coes and, and, you know, those uh, even celebrities, you know, like now Horan's a golfer, you know, he's got, you know, 72 million followers on Twitter, you know, and most of them are little girls. So, you know, and he golfs. So we have to somehow tell that story a little better that, that golf is cool and it is fun. And it's because right now it's it's not one of the sports that uh, is viewed the same in, in, in school. You know, if you're a cheerleader, you're cool. If you're a golfer, you're a nerd. So that's what we have to change. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. Well, <laughs> so true. It is true. <laughs> well, let me just introduce all of those people that think that's the case to our, our, our previous guest, uh, Mooney He, who has about 150,000 Instagram followers. I can assure you she's very cool at 18, 19 years old. Uh, but you're, you're exactly right. Do you think also, Nancy, very quickly, because I know we've got to wrap up, do you think also that maybe the courses themselves are going to have to take a more aggressive role in reaching out within their communities and not just for corporate events and, and things like that, but into the school systems as well, get the, you know, the, the LPGA and the PGA pros, getting them more engaged with the school systems? Um, is that something, too, I think that you're probably looking into? Yes, we are. And, and you know, I think um, golf in general, the, the operators need to just be a little bit more creative um, in bringing, um, you know, really juniors out. And I think for a long time, 
um, you know, the course operators looked at juniors as filling space where they could sell other times for adults. And I think right now, um, you know, you're, you're having a lot of people look at that a little bit differently because, you know, they're wanting to, you know, help grow the game and they realize that if we get juniors involved and they turn into paying adults. And um, there is a little bit of a different attitude right now in terms of being a little bit more open to juniors than it was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago, um, where juniors yeah. can only play after a certain time. So, you know, I think, one, that shift is happening. And, you know, just like we do, you know, when we encourage someone to to conduct a girls golf day because they don't have a program we help them we outreach to all girls organizations like the girl scouts or girls in the run or other you know high schools in the area to get you know girls out to their facility so that they can get 20 20 or so girls um, really to get engaged and to learn the game so sometimes it's just that outreach um, you know to those girls organizations that that help get those kids to the golf course yeah well said um, well, Nancy, we've got to, unfortunately, we've got to wrap up our, our time's up, but we want to thank you for joining us this morning uh, on the Women of Golf Show. Can you very, maybe very quickly let the folks know if they want to go and learn more about uh, not only the foundation, but girls golf and also the LPGA Women's Golf Network, where they can go to, uh, to get some more information? Sure. It's very easy. Just go to LPGA.com and anything you want is on that top navigation bar. So, um, you know, follow us on social, but really LPGA.com, you can find anything, uh, any one of those LPGA programs. Perfect. Well, again, Nancy, thank you very much for joining Cindy and I this morning on the Women of Golf show. Uh, very, always very enlightening to have you on, and, and thank you for, for the many updates that you've given us, and we appreciate your uh, giving of your time this morning. No problem. Thanks again. We'll talk to you all later. Thank you, Nancy. All have right, a great bye day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was our very special guest this morning, Nancy Henderson, um, president of the LPGA Foundation, and uh, very active, of course, in the uh, teaching and club professional division as well. Um, just a wealth of information. She's got some fantastic ideas and some great insight, uh, Cindy. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, quick program note. Um, Cindy and I will not be on air next week. Uh, I'm going to be away on vacation uh, a long, long needed vacation. Uh, so we won't be on the 17th, which would be next Tuesday. Uh, but we will return back on the 24th with another, uh, great guests, uh, a couple of great guests, I'm sure. Uh, so make sure that you join us. Uh, but on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, I'm Ted Rico. Thank you for joining us this morning on the women of golf show. We appreciate it uh, as always. And just remember to keep tuning in every Tuesday from nine to 10 AM Eastern, uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com networks, women of golf. Thank you. And God bless everybody. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Have a great week. You too.